If you would remain standing and open up with me to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90 this morning, 9-0. Um, chose the psalm for a lot of reasons, but one thing I love about the psalm is it's the only psalm attributed to Moses, a really big uh, character in the Old Testament. And we're going to read this, and I thought that it was just a perfect psalm for us to think about um, at the end of the year and at the start of the new year. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be on the screen behind me. Psalm 90. Prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, but in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, and by your wrath we are dismayed. You've set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, are even by reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as you have sent us evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated at this time. Well, I want to welcome you again this morning to the White Oak Faith family. Um, If you have not met me before, if I've not had the privilege of meeting you, my name is James Yandel, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at this church, and I'm just so glad uh, that you are here. I know that we have many people out visiting with family and with friends, and we have some people out sick, like my wife is sick this morning, and I'm sure you have uh, people in your family who are sick, but I just want to say I'm so glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. It's going to be a good Sunday. Like I said, it's going to be kind of an interactive uh, Sunday, but it is the last Sunday in 2018. Give uh, 2018 a round of applause for me this morning. And I'm sure for some of you, you are clapping because you like this year. It was a good year for you. A lot of good things happened for you this year. Maybe some of you clap more because you're glad that it's over, right? Good riddance to 20. Some of you got that. Good riddance to 2018. But for most of us, some good things happened and some bad things happened. But regardless of what has happened, 2018 is coming to an end and 2019 is just beginning. And I think in all the busyness of life, it's really difficult to just really sit down and reflect on sort of what we've been through, what God has taken us through, and where we're going. And I think that this morning gives us a great opportunity to not only reflect on the past year and where God has taken us, but also to plan and to make goals and resolutions for the next year. I'm entitled my sermon this morning, Press Pause, because that's really what I want us to do. I want us to just press pause 
for a moment and reflect on our year. You know, I used to get envious whenever I read books uh, from like famous writers. They always talk about how they went off to a cabin in the woods or in the mountains, right? And they had like this period where they got to reflect and pray and write and think about their life. And I'm like, man, I don't have a cabin in the woods, right? I'm stuck here all the time and I don't have that opportunity to go out and do that. But this morning, I hope that you see this place as a sanctuary for you. Right? It's not a cabin in the woods, I admit that, but it's, it's a pretty nice building, it's a pretty nice place, and I want you to think about something. This morning, for the next 35, 40 minutes, maybe, you have no obligations. You have no responsibilities, you have nowhere that you need to be, you have no work that you have to do. Uh, we have a great kids program over here who can watch your kids, and so you don't have to worry about that right now. You are completely and totally free. Does that make you feel good right now? I mean, like, you kind of weight off your shoulders. You have nothing to do this morning but sit and listen and reflect. So I hope this morning you see this almost as a sanctuary for you. In all the busyness of life, in all the urgency of life, we rarely get to sit down and really think about the important things. Uh, I've never been there, but apparently in Italy there's this cathedral that's very uh, impressive and it's big and all that kind of stuff. But in the entrance of the cathedral, it has three inscriptions. And I thought this was really cool. I was reading this article as I was preparing for uh, this message. And on the right side of the door is a sculptured wreath of roses, right? It's, it's in stone. It's a sculpture. And underneath that, it says, all that pleases is only for a moment. And then on the left side of the door of the entrance, it has a sculptured crown of thorns. And it says, similarly, all that troubles is only for a moment. And then above the entryway, above the entrance to the cathedral, it has the words, all that is important is eternal. And I think in all the busyness of life, in all the things that are right in front of us, we are so focused in on either what is pleasurable, entertainment, distraction, some of the good things in life, or we're so distracted by the immediate urgency of troubles and problems and emergencies in our life. And oftentimes the urgent supersedes the important. And this morning, what I want you to do as we think about things over the next 30 minutes or so, is I want us to think about the important. That's the value of pausing for a little while and reflecting on our life. Because this is what I know what you want to do, and I'm sure you've already done this. You want to make goals for next year. I think it's natural. We want to have goals. We want to have resolutions. We want to have improvements to our life, and I think that's really good for us to do. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But I think before we even get there, we have to recognize that there's value in just pausing and just taking a breath and reflecting. So I want you to take a deep breath with me. Let it out. One more. It's not calming. We're going to reflect a little bit this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, I want you to write this down because it's a good thing for you to remember as you take, uh, make goals in the next year. I believe that honest reflection will help you make goals that stick. Honest reflection will help you make goals that stick. I think for many of us, unless you're sort of an introverted, uh, maybe introspective type person, we don't often sit down and just think about things. Think about where we've been, think about where we've come from, and yet there's value to that. We like to jump into the goal setting and all that kind of stuff. I have to admit myself, I probably downloaded maybe 10 habit tracking apps. Has anyone ever downloaded one of those apps before where you can like try to track your habits? 
Okay, not one person in this room. I can't see anybody. Okay, one person in this room. Thank you. So I try to do this. And the problem with those apps is sometimes we have so many goals that when you download the app, if you want the free version, you can only have so many goals on the apps, right? So you start plugging in all your habits you want to change and you get to like four or three or four and all of a sudden this thing pops up and it says upgrade for $5.99, right? And I don't want to buy the app. And so I download multiple ones of them because I have a lot of goals that I want to accomplish in the next year. But I think part of the reason why I have so many goals is I haven't taken the time to sit down and really assess where I'm at. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to reflect on a few things. One of the reasons that I chose this psalm for us this morning is because it has one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and that's verse 12. And I'd love for you to look there if you have your Bibles uh, with me. Verse 12 says this, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I love that. So teach us to number our days so that we can get a heart of wisdom. If you look at the NLT, if you have that version, just another version of the Bible, it says, teach us about the brevity of life so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, biblically speaking, God desires that we would be wise people, That we would live a wise life because there's a lot of foolishness out there in the world and there's a lot of foolishness naturally in our own lives and in our hearts. But God desires that we be wise people. And in the Bible, wisdom is about living a well-ordered life in light of eternity. There's wisdom in recognizing that you and I are not invincible and we're not eternal in the same sense that God is eternal. We have a short life. And because it's short, it means what we do matters and what we choose to do matters. And in this psalm, you have really the thesis of this entire psalm. It talks a lot about time. It talks a lot about God. It talks a lot about years passing and and, and our life passing along. But really the thesis of the song is that in verse 12, teach us to recognize the shortness of life. And that's what I want us to do, reflect on a few things, because I think as we reflect, we will gain wisdom. So if you would look with me at verse 2 of our passage, this is the first thing I want us to reflect on this morning. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The first thing I want us to focus on, and the first thing that the psalm really focuses on, is the eternality of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, eternality. Probably not a word you use every day in your normal vernacular. If you've used that in Scrabble before, I'd be really amazed. I think you were super Christian or something like that. It's not a word that we use that often. And yet that's what this psalm, this verse is pointing to. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. The big reality of life, the big reality of existence is that there is a God and that he has existed from everlasting to everlasting. I love how this psalm starts off and it says, uh, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Moses is saying, generations come, God is there. Generations go, God is there. Our generation will come and go and God will still be there. God is the great reality of life, not us. And in reflecting on this, we're reminded of the truly important things, that God exists and that God has a plan for the world. The Bible says that all the plans of God stand. Not man's plans, but God's plans stand. 
It says all the promises of God are fulfilled. God's plan for the world will come to fruition. And as we think about plans in our own life and goals for our own life, it makes sense that we would reflect the plans and the goals of God. That makes sense. We are not center. God is center. God is the sun, and we are the planets that revolve around him, not the other way around. As we reflect on God's eternality, we put ourselves in the proper place. This is what I wanted you to do this morning. This is going to be our first sort of interactive uh, session of the morning. I want you to see this as a workshop, all right? This is a totally free workshop for you this morning. I'm going to give you the opportunity to share with your neighbor if you want to. Don't feel obligated to do so. If you're more of a thoughtful person, you want to write down the answer to this question by yourself in your notes, feel free to do that. But many of us process things verbally, and this is a great exercise to do with your spouse. So this is, what I, this is the answer or question that I want you to answer. What did you learn from God this year? that actually reflected in your life, and what was the overall result? And the reason I want to ask this question is because if God is the one who's orchestrating, if God is the one who's true reality, and we're dependent on Him, how is our life reflecting on that? The Bible says that God's ways are high and above our ways. God is wise. And in fact, the Bible says that we lack wisdom, And we need to go to God for wisdom. So if we're going to be followers of Christ, disciples of the Lord, then is our life going to reflect that? So that's what I want you to do. Take about a minute or two. I sort of interrupt when I hear the talking die down. I want you to answer this question with your neighbor. Go ahead and do that now. So I'll share very briefly for myself and for my wife, one of the things that we wanted to do uh, this year, uh, we didn't do it the entire year, it wasn't a New Year's resolution per se, uh, but we wanted to make sure that God was sort of central in our marriage. And we thought, what's one practical way that we could do that? And so we decided, you know what, uh, it's hard for us to have our quiet time together because we had different schedules, but we always sort of go to sleep at the same time. And so we decided, you know what, we're going to read a psalm as much as we can every night before bed, and we're going to say a prayer. And so we were able to do that. We didn't do that every night, um, but for the nights that we were actually together and the nights that we actually remembered, we did that. And we made it through all the Psalms once, and now we're going back through it. And I got to tell you how amazing it was to sort of like have this moment where we end each night. It, it just, with the Lord and with what He says, right? It just makes the anxiety just fall off, just to end the night with hope in God. And I, I'm telling you, we did that almost every night, even when we were fighting. We were angry at each other. We're like, you ready to do our psalm? Yeah, I'm ready to do our psalm. And we did our psalm, and that's an important part. So that, that was a huge uh, thing in our life that we've incorporated, and we hope to do that uh, continuing on in the next year. We tried to do read like the Proverbs or another book, but just psalms seem to really work for us. So we're going back through it. All right, so that's the first thing I want us to reflect on. Next, I invite you to look with me at verse 10 um, of our passage. And uh, this may be a very familiar verse with you, um, or you may have memorized this at one point. It says, The years of our life are seventy, are even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So first we reflected on God's eternality, everlasting to everlasting. Next I want us to reflect on the shortness of life. And this is really what the psalmist is talking about, really what Proverbs is talking about when it talks about wisdom. It's keeping an eternal perspective in mind, that life is very short. I love how James says, um, we often say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. 
Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so there's this idea that oftentimes when we make plans for our life, our resolutions, our goals, or whatever it is, we're doing it out of a place almost of arrogance and overconfidence in our own willpower and our own ability to carry things out. And yet wisdom, according to the Bible, is recognizing, you know what, there's only so much we can control in life, and we're only so powerful. We are finite, not infinite beings. And so we're reflecting here uh, on how much of life is really outside of our control. And so next, what I want us to do is I want us to reflect on what was the most challenging thing that God brought you through this year. I heard some of you clapping a little bit that 2018 was over. You're glad it's over. What was challenging about the year? I think this gives us a good perspective that, you know what? We are not entirely in control, that there are things in our life uh, that are beyond our control and that God has to bring us through. So why don't you take a minute or two, share with your neighbor, if you're comfortable, what was the most challenging part of 2018 for you? All right, so I'll just share very briefly. Mine was probably... Uh, just getting married for the first time, like, you know, for the first year of marriage and just like, (laughs) just dealing with that and dealing with like living with someone and all this kind of stuff. And it's just been kind of a difficult year almost for both of us as we've uh, thought about, you know what, how, how do you handle money? How do I handle money? How do you handle problems and stress in life? How do I handle problems and stress in life? And so that was just a very difficult uh, year of learning for me personally. And so uh, it was challenging in that respect. And the Lord has taught me so much uh, in terms of building faith and in terms of loving a, a real life person who's right in front of me. So that was a challenging thing for me. All right, so if we move on a little bit, we'll go to Psalm 90 verse 14. And uh, I love this uh, verse. He says, satisfy us. And remember, this is a prayer to the Lord. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And if you skip down a little bit, I love how it says in verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. And so there's this almost this reflection that, you know what? God is the one who blesses us. And that's what I want us to reflect on. God's blessings over our life. So often, we are focused on the immediate, on the urgent, on the emergencies, and on the toil and turmoil of our life that we forget about the blessings in our life. Isn't it weird how, like, negative emotions are much more powerful than positive emotions, right? You go through a pretty decent day, a good day with your wife, or a good day with your spouse, or it was a good day at work, you get home, and you don't feel that as strongly as the bad days, do you? And yet the Bible calls us to remember that all good things come from the Lord. He gives us blessings in our life. And the psalmist recognizes that no good thing comes apart from the Father. So that's what I want us to do. I want us to reflect a little bit, not just on the most challenging aspect of our year, but I want you to share what was the greatest moment of joy uh, this year for you. And for some of you, it's going to be very easy because I know some babies were born this year, and I hope that was your most uh, greatest moment of joy. But I want you to share that with your neighbor, and not just share what the moment was, but describe it. Why was it so joyful to you? Take a moment to do that. All right, well, as you wrap up, I do have one more for us that we're going to reflect on. But before we get there, part of the reason I want us to do this is because I think it's going to remind us of the truly important things, right? As you think about these things, as you think about what was the most joy-filled moment 
of your past year, you're going to be able to say, you're going to be able to say, you know what? I want next year to reflect that. And so this thing in my life, whether it was time with your spouse or whether it was uh, a newborn or something like that, the, the new year is going to allow you to sort of drive into those things and say, you know what? My, my kid gives me great joy, so I want to spend more of my life focusing on that, you know? So you think about the things that you have uh, in your life and the blessings you have in your life and press into those. Or maybe you say, you know what? Uh, I, I put this spiritual practice in my life and it changed my life, and so I need to think about what, what new spiritual practice can I incorporate next year that's going to have a huge impact on my life. But then we get to this one, and uh, I'll give you a preface on this one. Uh, You don't have to share this with your neighbor if you don't have to. This is not confession time, but we're going to move to verse 8, and uh, verse 8 says this, you have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. And I love what Moses does here. Because Moses recognizes that he's broken, we're broken, and that we have things in our life uh, that lead us away from God. We're broken vessels. I love how we sang that song, and it just talks about how we, we, we mess up our life all the time, and God has to pick up the pieces and make us new and to make us whole. So I want us to reflect just a little bit on the sinful habits that we have in our life. What are the things in our life that are causing us to fall away from the Lord? You know, so, so often I feel like we're trying to add things to our life, add things to our schedule, add things to just, uh, you know, our, our, our lifestyle in general. But we forget that a lot of times there's addition that comes by subtraction. There are things in our life that, call, that drain us, that cause us to lose hope that cause us to lose faith in the Lord, these are the things that we shouldn't do. And so maybe for us, or maybe for you this morning, there might be something in your life that you've got to get rid of. So you're not here to add things in the next year. You're here to remove something in the next year. I think what I love about the end of the year is that God gives us these natural rhythms where we can say, you know what? A year has passed, but a new year has come. Is there really a difference between December 31st and January 1st? No, there's no difference. You're going to be the same you. And yet God has incorporated this natural rhythm of life that says, you know what? I get a fresh start. And what a great way to start the year than with repentance and with asking the Lord to help you in this area of your life. So I want you to take a moment. Again, you can share with your neighbor if you're especially bold or want to share that. Or you can just take a moment to reflect on yourself. What sin or time wasters, some of us have to add this as well, what sin or time wasters repeatedly showed up in your life that don't need to continue into the next year? Take about a minute or so, reflect on that. All right, well, as you wrap it up a little bit, the reason I include this is because I feel like as we're making goals, it's important for us to recognize that sometimes there's more impact is going to come from not adding something to your life, but removing something from your life. And these are really important to think about as well. And I think we all sort of have these things in our life that cause us to kind of fall away from the Lord and not lean into faith and trust in the Lord. All right, so let's transition a little bit. Now let's talk about some goals. I can't give you the goals that you need to have for the next year. I'm sure you've looked up articles that have hundreds and hundreds of goals out there, good goals. Um, But I think it's important for us to think about where we're at. And before I even give you like some tips for how to make goals that actually stick, uh, I want to give you this truth. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I like how it rhymes. Goals provide direction, not perfection. Goals provide direction, 
and not perfection. And this is what I mean by that. I think when it comes to New Year's resolutions, when it comes to thinking about the next year, we tend to idolize where we're going to be. We think, you know what, if I could just set this goal where I could learn this language or learn this skill or if I can lose this weight or implement this in my life and we put so much hope, so much stock into that goal. But in reality, when we do that, we're putting hope into our own self-will. We're putting hope into our own uh, selves and in our own heart. But in reality, we have to remember that we are gospel-oriented people. Goals don't lead us to perfection. Goals are going to lead us to fall short because trust me, you will fall short of your goals in the next year in some way or fashion, I promise you. But the Bible says, you know what, start with the gospel and allow God's identity for you to shape who you are and then you can build goals off, off of that. In reality, goals just give us a direction. Jesus gives us the perfection. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why the Bible says we are broken jars of clay in which God has to rebuild up in his own image. So we have to remember that God is the one who is shaping us. We are gospel-oriented people. But what goals do is that they give us a direction. Let me give you an example. If I made a goal of next year to love my wife well— every single day next year. Do you think I'm going to love her well every single day next year? Probably not. But I'll probably love her better if I set the goal than if I hadn't set the goal, right? Goals give you a direction. And that's why it's really important to set goals that are matched to the important things of life because they're guiding where you're going. If you have no goals, you have no direction in your life. You're just sort of floundering around, like turning around in a circle. If you have bad goals or goals that God doesn't want you to have or that aren't really important, you're being led away from where God wants you to go. But if you have goals that are inspired by what God wants for you and empowered by the Spirit of God in you, then the direction of your life can take on new uh, and great meaning. So that's why goals provide direction but not perfection. All right, so this is how you set goals you'll actually keep. Again, I cannot tell you which goals to make this year. I think goals are good and we should all have them, but this is what I can tell you. Number one, set goals that reflect your values. Set goals that reflect your values. I think far too often we sit down, and I did this, I'm guilty of this, and we have like 10 goals for our life, or 15 goals for our life, or five or six goals for our life. And when we do that, I think we haven't done the process of figuring out what's really important to us. For example, the other day I was with Sarah and we were talking a little bit and I was thinking about goals I wanted for my life. And I said, you know what, I want to start a new hobby. And I don't know where that came from. I just, I read it on an article. I was like, I want to start a new hobby. And my hobby that I wanted to start, I looked at this, uh, actually it was Art of Manliness. Has anyone read that before? Art of Manliness. Okay. So it was like hobbies for men. So I was like, went to this and I looked on there and I found one, it was like wood burning. And I never had heard that at before. It was like, basically you take a soldering iron and you like make designs with that. I was like, that's pretty cool. It'd be cool to have that hobby hobby, right? And so I decided that's what's going to be my hobby for the next year. This was last week when I did that. Now when I think about wood burning, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And if you do that, that's totally cool. But I, that was just something that I thought of that wasn't super important to me. But when you make goals around your values, those are the ones that stick. Let me give you an example. I have three values really in my life. 
One is my personal walk with God. I want that to be thriving. I want that to be good. I want it to be healthy. Number two is I want my relationship with my wife and with my family to be healthy and thriving. That's another value that I have. And then number three, I want my work and my ministry to be healthy. I want to have a good work health, uh, work-life balance and different things like that. So these are my three values. And I'm going to build goals this year around those three values. And when you do that, when you build goals around your personal values, you're much more likely to stick to them. Because you have to remember these throughout the year and you have to choose to follow them throughout the year. I love this quote by Dwight D. Eisenhower. It's a great quote. He says, What is urgent is seldom important, and what is important is seldom urgent. The values that you have probably aren't the most urgent things happening in your life. The less important things are urgent and take time. But your values have to be scheduled. Your values have to be thought about and pursued consciously. So what are your values? Think about those and build goals around them. Number two, the less goals you have or the fewer goals you have, the more likely you are to succeed. The less goals you have, the more likely you are to succeed. You can do anything, but you cannot do everything. And I'm going to guarantee something this morning. I guarantee that you like the idea of making resolutions more than you like the idea of keeping resolutions. We all like to do that. It's easy to make resolutions in our mind because we're envisioning this perfect future. Your brain does that very easily because we have an imagination. But following through with that in your life is much harder. It takes consistent decision-making And that's hard to do. I guarantee you that right now you are the result of your past choices, not your past goals. You are the result of your past choices, not your past goals. And so we have to think about, you know what, we cannot do it all. I would much rather you come up with one sustainable goal for the next year and come back to me a year from now and say, you know what, I made that one, my my one goal and I did it this year and the next year I'm going to do something different. In five years, you'll have five sustainable rhythms in your life. I think far too often, you've heard it said that we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in five years. So this morning, the fewer goals you have, the better And one goal is probably the best, whatever is sustainable for you. It's better to have that than like five goals and you kind of half did the goals and you forgot about two of them. It's better to take this route. Your willpower is limited. Number three, find accountability. This is true for anything in life. You need accountability. And you need accountability in three different ways. You need accountability with yourself meaning that you need to put that up on the fridge, whatever your goals are, put them up on the fridge, put them up as a sticky note on your desktop computer, make it the background of your laptop computer. You need those things in front of you because if you don't, the tyranny of the urgent will find you and you'll forget about them. So you need accountability to yourself. Number two, you need accountability to others. This is true for anything. So you need to tell your spouse, you need to tell a friend, you need to make it public, make it known that this is your goal. This is a huge part in follow through. And the number three, you need accountability with the Lord, right? We need to submit our goals and our plans to God and do it in his power. One of the things that Sarah and I are trying to do this year is pay down some student loan debt. And we know that this is something that God wants us to do because the Bible says that we're to pay down uh, our debts or not let any debt remain outstanding. But we pray every night. We work hard at it, but we pray every night, Lord, help us to pay down our debts, which you said is good for us to do. And we go to the Lord with that every single night. 
So we got to find accountability with the things that we're doing. And this is super important in terms of follow-through. I want you to have follow-through in your life. I want you to be able to actually achieve the goals that you want to set, but you can only do that if you have accountability. That's what makes it real. So as we draw to a close this morning, I want to talk about one more, and I want us to linger on this one a little bit because it's probably the most important part of goal setting. And it's something that the world uh, doesn't recognize, but it's something that we can recognize. Number four is you must leave room for grace. You must leave room for grace. See, there's a voice out there. And it's a voice that whispers in our ear, says you're not good enough, you need to do this, and then you'll be good enough. And the funny thing is that same voice will enter into your ear again whenever you fail at the thing that you were trying to do. It says, there you go. I told you you weren't good enough. And we all have that voice, and yet that voice is not the voice of the Savior. The voice of the Savior says, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished on the cross. And we grow in sanctification and we grow uh, in maturity in the Lord. But we never grow in righteousness and in holiness. The holiness that God gives to us is constant and is forever. We must leave room for grace in our lives. You're going to make plans for 2019. And some of those are going to work out and some of those are not going to work out. But we have to remember, go back and remember the eternality of God. He's over and above all of us in all of our lives. And he takes care of us. The new year should not just be about growth and goals and planning and motion and work and discipline should be about rest, gospel-oriented rest. And I hope that you believe that this morning, that God is enough, and that the cross has made you enough for God. So we don't have to make goals like everyone else, trying to get better, but we trust in the Lord. I read this and I thought it was so good. It says, we entrust our future not to Evernote or to Google Calendar or a reading list, but to the king who holds the world in his hands. Go forward into 2019 with confidence in the Lord. He will take care of you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this year. Lord, in far too many places, I failed you this year. I did not live up to what you had for me. I pierced myself with sin. I played into my own brokenness. And I'm sure there's many people in this room who come and, and who are thinking about the ways in which they didn't live up to the expectations that your word has for us. But God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the power of salvation that instantly fills us when we sin, that instantly cleanses us when we fall away. Your word says 
that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We are perfect. We are holy. We are pure in your sight by the blood of your Son. But Lord, we also want to be more faith-filled people next year. We want to be people who are living up to the life that you have for us, Lord who are fleeing from sin, who are killing sin in our life, and who are living up to your expectations and living up to all the fullness of life with Jesus Christ. And I pray for the power to be those people, not just for my own life, though I need it more than everyone else in here, but I pray for everyone else in here, Lord, that they might have the power to live the life that you are calling them into. May we step out of 2018 and into 2019 as hopeful, faith-filled people. We love you, and it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.